Good evening, everybody. It's Tracy here with the Lincoln Law Pod. Judge Jay is with me. What's up, Jay? What's going on? You ready to talk some Lincoln lawyer? Guilty. Always. But speaking of guilty, not guilty, don't forget that our email is notguilty at so many shows.com if you want to send yes. any feedback on the episodes or maybe participate in one of our games. That's how to reach us. So we're going to be talking about season two, episode two. The title is Obligations. This is written by Gladys Rodriguez and directed by Rob Seidenglanz. Heads up, at the end of the podcast, we're going to have an interview with the writer, with Gladys Rodriguez. Nice. So it's a great opportunity to get some input and maybe some behind the scenes intel on the episode. So look forward to that at the end. But let's let's work our way through the episode. Any um, initial comments, Jay, before we look at the action? Uh, I will save my comments for as we go through it. As we go through. Okay. Well, we start out at the, maybe the country club, the racket club per se, and Mickey's there talking to Legal Seagull. It's nice to see him again, don't you think? Yep. Nope. I love that dude. I love Another him. appearance from him. And they get into a long hypothetical very conversation. Hypothetical. Yeah. <laughs> Extremely very... hypothetical. I didn't count them how many times they said hypothetical, but it, quite a few. Just we to should be clear. Have yeah, yeah, we dropped the ball. Yeah, that would have been a good trivia question. Yeah. 18. We'll go with 18. <laughs> I'll have to watch it later yep. and check. We'll have to go back and check. So uh, remember from the first episode, the season opener, Mickey finds himself in a really tough spot when Russell Lawson has pulled one over on him, shown mm. up at his house, pretending to be a client. Well, actually was a client and, and now right. is a client. Still, because he has paid a retainer to keep Mickey on for for services, for legal services. So Mickey explains hypothetically the situation that he's in to Legal Siegel. He, he talks about how he now has this client that he knows is guilty. And because he's working for him, he can't honestly represent his what would be his current client, Jesus Menendez. And he can't share anything about Russell Lawson's guilt, because that would break confidentiality rules, with the, with some exceptions, I guess, like threats. But but Russell's not overtly threatening. Mickey, right, he's just you know. a snake. He's uh, referring to it, maybe making some veiled threats, but nothing concrete that Mickey can act upon. So, just in case you're not caught up, Russell Lawson is the true killer of Martha Renteria. This follows through from season one. Martha was a friend of Glory Days. Both prostitutes and um, Russell also went after Glory Days after killing Martha Renteria and bragged about it. But Glory got away. So she's the the eyewitness to him. And she's been helping with, she helped with the habeas hearing last season to get Jesus free. But now Jesus is not free because the LAPD is going to yeah, probably charge stinks. him again. Yeah. whole thing stinks. And charge him again, it looks like. So so he goes through the whole scenario, hypothetically, with Legal Siegel. And then he's like, so hypothetically, what can I do? And all we get from Legal Siegel is, well, and the <laughs> opening credits roll. So so we don't know. So we, we head right in to the episode. At, back at the office, um, or on the way to the office, 
Izzy uh, is talking, the driver is talking to Mickey about a true crime podcast that she likes. They they talk about that. And th- but then he gets a call from Lorna and she's saying that who other than Russell Lawson is in his office and not just in the lobby, but in his actual office. And she thinks he's snooping around. So, of course, Mickey is super nervous. So immediately he wants to know. Yeah. Are you there alone? You know, is Cisco there assessing the situation? Cisco is there, and but he tells her he's coming right over to the office. So he gets there and um, approaches Russell. Uh, talk to us, Jay, a little bit about why Russell says he's there. Because yeah, he's a snake, Tracy. Right. Okay? True. Uh, he might have another reason, but he's there because he's a snake mm-hmm. with a with a speeding ticket, mm-hmm. and because he's got counsel available he thought why not let my lawyer handle this yeah which is just his snake-like way of getting into the office to you know not threaten anyone but make his presence known maybe pick up a a photo of mickey's family while he's there yeah you know he's he's making a show of things and just really sort of needling mickey reminding him that he has him under his thumb so Mickey gets him out of there. Russell waves goodbye to everyone and, you know, trying to keep that cover of that sort of that nerdy guy. Bye, guys, you know, whatever. (laughs) But, you know, obviously the the office uh, staff can't know what's going on. So then we have learned that Glory Days has been found. She actually, and Lorna says she found them uh, because she's in lockup for prostitution and possession of cocaine. So, wow, another wrinkle in Mickey's schedule. So he heads on over. Yep. And she's supposed to testify again, or they need her to testify again as the eyewitness to the real killer. But but right now she's in lockup. So he heads over and right away she's like, Mickey, you got to help me. You got to help me. What do you think of that, Jay? Like that sort of, I mean, desperation, but I don't know. I just, what do you think of that, that comment? Does he have to help her? Have they, you know... You know, it's funny that that scene kind of stuck out a little bit for me, too, because mm-hmm. I think he sort of does. But she didn't... You know how some people are like, you know how you owe me that favor? Now's the time, damn it. Mm-hmm. But, but she was kind of nonchalant about it. So, like, even if he said, I can't, I don't I don't feel like she would have pushed back, which I thought was interesting because okay. she's in a predicament, certainly needs him, and kind of has some leverage to, you know, say, Mickey, come on, put in that extra that extra work, that extra step, mm-hmm. whatever. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yeah. yours, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. So yeah, he gets all the details from her. And I, it's interesting that you brought up that word leverage because the, I thought about that word for really this whole episode. How is Mickey going to get through this? And, and really, how does he get through a lot of his cases? He's very observant, thinks outside the box, but he's very good at seeing how he can leverage some information yeah. over someone else. He, he identifies that leverage uh, so well. So you know the wheels are turning while he's talking to Glory Days. And she, this guy paid her. Uh, but then he tipped her in cocaine. They'd, they'd done cocaine and then he tipped her in cocaine. But it wasn't just, you know, one baggie. It was multiple baggies, enough that mm-hmm. 
Mickey's concerned that she could get charged mm-hmm. with um, with dealing, you know, with with selling, which even a, a bigger offense. So she, he asked a little bit about the guy. She thinks his name maybe is Hector Moya. She mentions that he had a really nice place. So you think there may be some wealth there. And if he had enough baggies to tip her, Mickey's starting to think, well, maybe he's a dealer or you know, works for a dealer like What and thinking, what can I do with this information? So basically he tells her he's going to do the best he can, that he's not going to be able to go with her to talk to Detective Griggs because you know, they need her eyewitness yep. testimony again. He can't go with her to that. He can't explain why, obviously, but he encourages her to do the right thing. So he heads out and he eventually calls Cisco and wants him to get some information on this Hector Moya guy. Oh, and and Gloria did Glory did give Mickey an address of where she was. So he's got an address. He's got a you know potential name, and he's going to have his investigator Cisco look into that. But speaking of Cisco, Lorna reminds him that he needs to provide his guest list for the wedding. I don't know how close the wedding is. Do you have any idea, Jay? I don't know. I don't know. But apparently, not close enough to have sent out. Invitations. invitations yep but a list is is pretty important so she's i think you know her, her concern is growing about why he seems distracted not always responding to calls right. that yeah. kind of thing um and she even suggests that he might be having second thoughts is he you know is he getting cold feet he insists no no way that that is not happening that's not happening that's not the situation he will get the list ready we also have a little conversation between mickey and izzy in the car now that they're back in the car izzy is sounds like she is getting back in a relationship with her ex-girlfriend ray and they might be going into business together opening a dance studio red flag jay what do you think man you know that's one of those hard situations you want to give people the benefit of the doubt but sure. you know but i'm kind of with mickey on this like hmm, i'm not so sure this is a good idea yeah. Yeah. He just, you know, it feels like a slippery slope and, and we all have those in different ways. And it, you're right. It's really tough because we want good things for Izzy. We want good things for her girlfriend. Uh, we want them to be happy, but history and other situations has you know shown that that may not work out so well. It's just, there's so many variables. So Mickey's a little, a little concerned about that, but Izzy assures him, you know, things are going well. So when Mickey does catch up with Cisco, he tells him the name Hector Moya. Cisco investigates further and finds out the name is actually Hector Moreno with the Tijuana drug cartel. So dun, dun, dun. yeah. So he talks about Moreno recently getting out of a murder charge, that he might be there in California to set up more business. And Mickey asks him about the address. He's, you know, the wheels are always turning. And he's, he asks him, you know, it's in, it's on Mulholland Drive. So he wants to know if it's on the Valley side or not. And Cisco confirms that it is on the Valley side. Ding, ding, ding. Mickey knows that that puts Moreno in the Van Nuys jurisdiction where wife number one works, where Maggie works. So can he use this information as leverage? You know, he's just tucking it all away. So he takes this information to Maggie. He he tells Izzy to change the route, head over to Van Nuys. And she tells him the situation that, um, and she finds, he finds out the name. I can't remember who it is. The name of the guy that's actually the DA that's assigned to Glory's case. But since that all went down in their jurisdiction, they, you know, 
Glory will come through them for charges. But A, Mickey's trying to help her. B, he's trying to work around other things. So he proposes that Maggie use the information for leverage for her because, you know, she wants to get, she's yep. her cases are being poached and taken away from her. Yep. So this is a, a potentially a big case. So he, you know, he points out that, Hey, this guy, if he's, you know, in the cartel, that's a way bigger case than glory days being, you know, charged with prostitution and possession. So he's like, why don't you go for the, the bigger fish? And then maybe you can also use that to help your personal situation. And, she does find out that it's that it, this act who is the person and that this is glory. So she has some hesitations there because that's the person that testified against. Well, that's the she, she was on the case where the other detective testified yeah. against Langford last season. So that sort of ruined essentially her big case last season. So there, there's still some bad blood there, but she says she'll give it some thought. She knows. And she even tells Mickey that, you know, his favors tend to come with strings attached. So you don't know. And he thanks her. And and she says, "Don't thank me yet," because she hasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, she hasn't yep. made She's a smarter decision. Than that. Yep. Right. She hasn't made a decision. So that's just a couple of things that that Mickey has set in motion, and will be. He'll be waiting on her answer. Back to Lorna for a minute. She finally approaches Dean Wheaton, the guy who made unwanted advances to her, a professor of all people. And in a position of authority when she was first in law school. And he's the guy that she's got to get to sign her form to do practice clinic with uh, Mickey. So what do you think of that exchange, Jay? Oh, man. I, how therapeutic that had to have been <laughs> for her. Because, boy, she yeah. walked into that office. And even though you know she's nervous, handled that like a pro. Yeah. Remember who I am? This is what you did to me? Well, I thought so highly of you. Then I learned you're a jerk. And you're going <laughs> to sign this piece of paper because you're never going to do this again. Robert, it was just, you know, you knew she was nervous, didn't want to go, yeah. there, didn't want to deal with them. But what a way to just go there and do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Not being too snarky, too nasty, too over the top, too any, like it just got the point across. And I just, I like it when you can see a a, a, a character on TV has been stung. You know, mm-hmm. and you yeah. could tell he was stung. Like, oh mm-hmm. man, I got it. I, yeah, you know, so it was great. I loved it. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, very, very cathartic for us as viewers, and certainly uh, for Lorna. And it was, it was interesting because, yeah, she did. She did hesitate. She didn't go right in the first day, but once she you know, got her courage up or set her mind to it, you're right. She just nailed it. You know, and just. Yep put it all put it all out there and and she took care of it herself you know and i think lorna is she has good people in her life but it's impressive how self-sufficient and assertive she is with you know her job and she even bosses mickey around you know when technically i guess you know he's her boss (laughs) so Uh, um, mickey's lucky to have her he is very lucky to have her that simple so mickey's making his rounds they head over to the restaurant lisa's restaurant and she has a, a new drink on the menu for him to try out, the Respados. Um, have you ever had that drink, Jay? I have not. I, I am have not, not. I'm not familiar with that one. No. So, and interestingly, it has a hint of cilantro. This is the second time cilantro has come up. <laughs> right. do, you, do things like that stick out to you? Like, oh, maybe that's going to mean something? 
It, right, yeah, because it's so <laughs> off the wall, like, like who cares? But now you're bringing it back to my face again? Right, yeah. I'm paying attention now. Yeah, it kind of sticks out. Like last season, the fish on the wall yep. in the in his office, yep. that I kept, there were a few comments about that and they would show it on the screen. And and I, I'm not the only person who thought that would have something to do with the, uh, with the story. I've seen other people write about that as well. So last year was the fish. For me this year so far it's cilantro suspicious about that cilantro but yeah he likes to drink but she's she doesn't ask him there just to you know have him try out a nice cocktail she wants to pick his brain more about the temporary restraining order because she's worried that she can't it says that you know she can't be within 100 feet but her home is right you know it's that close to his office and the restaurant which is also where her home is, is that close to his office. She goes to a farmer's market down the street past his office. So how does this all work? And and basically Mickey assures her that your home, your place of business, that's on him. And if you drive past and don't engage, you know, you should be fine with the farmer's market. And she talk, tells him that she's, she's, you know, she's upset. She's mad that the eyewitness in the restraining order is a building inspector and she immediately thinks that maybe there's something fishy going on there, you know, like again, quid pro quo or something, this building inspector helping this big builder, you know, maybe he's going to get some more business. That's and um, mm-hmm. did he lie? You know, this guy said she's been angry. Did he lie? Well, meanwhile, Maggie confirms that they will pursue Hector Moreno. So, He gets in action. This leads him to another step in his plan for the episode. He puts this envelope on his desk and writes Russell's name on it in big letters. And he tells Lorna he's got to pick it up today. It's very important that it's today. It's related to his traffic ticket. He's got to get it today. He also contacts Cisco and asks him to reserve some time later that evening that he may need something for him, just kind of puts him on hold, um, you know, or, or puts him on retainer. He's, he might need something from him. He says, Izzy, take the day. Oh, no, actually, you can help Lorna. She's so over, you know, worked with all these um, cases. Stay there and help her. I don't need a driver today. He's going to take the day off. And they're kind of surprised. I don't know how often he does okay. that. He, he seems to be working when he is off, but he says, no, taking the day. He's got his tennis racket with him. We haven't seen him carrying that around before. So he heads over to the club and he's hitting some balls. Guess letting off some steam. What did you think of that scene? Are you, do you like tennis, Jay? Uh, I like to pretend to play tennis. Um, I um, not <laughs> while you're great playing at it. Do you, do you pretend to play it while you're playing it, or just <laughs> right. the idea of it? No, it's it's pretending to play while I'm playing. Okay, okay. You know, like yeah, uh, you know, I pretend like I'm a pro, but yeah, uh, yeah I'm not. I, I played in high school, but it was, I think it's a fun sport. I like doubles. I think that's yes. super fun. Yeah. 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 Um, it's like a little, little tennis party. So anyways, he's, uh, he's got the ball machine going, bam, 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 just hitting him back. And and the other thing I, I put this in my, my recap, did you think he's going to trip over one of these balls? I mean, just do things <laughs> like that cross your mind. I don't know if it's a parent thing, like a mom. You know, thing. it probably is a parent thing. Cause yeah, I do that a lot in TV. Like yeah. watch this. Don't, don't forget that's there. Or, yeah. Oh my God, he's going to. Yeah. They were just all around him and, and yeah. I'm kind of a klutz. So I certainly would have tripped over one, but thankfully Mickey. Plus, you know, okay. his mind is, is busy. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's a good point. That is a good point. And he sees legal. 
Little Seagull while he's there, and they do a little nod. So they got something going on. Mm-hmm. This maybe a little more than a hypothetical conversation. Who, who knows? So he uh, he nods and and legal nods back. So then we're back over at the police building, and Glory's talking to Griggs. There, she's describing the guy who assaulted her that that you know claimed to kill Martha Renteria. So and when the guy um, when the sketch artist reveals it, this was pretty good. Pretty good match. There's a couple of things that she thinks doesn't line up quite right, but um. Sure look like old Russell Lawson to me. And later, Griggs talks to Mickey about, you know, not being there for that interview. And he says, you know, he thinks he's hiding something. And, you know, he he knows Mickey. They collaborated, mm-hmm. you know, last yep. season. And he knows he's always got some irons in the fire and, and some things going on. So he's like, what are you hiding? And, you know, Mickey's like, there's nothing I can tell you, you know, but all I want is to keep Glory Day safe. So, mm-hmm. um did you find that kind of interesting at that point in the story when you're first watching? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because I could tell here's, here's a hidden message. Come mm-hmm. on. Get yeah. With me. I can't say anything. Mm-hmm. Why can't I say anything? Why don't you think about that? And oh yeah, I need you to make sure somebody's safe. Hello. Somebody. Yeah. Did you hear who I said? Okay, mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Can you repeat what I just said? <laughs> um, so we get another Cisco sighting. He gives his guest list to Lorna. It's kind of short, Jay. There are three, <laughs> three people. Uh... And I thought it was really funny when she says, and two of them are Mickey and Izzy. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. they're already on the list, Cisco. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> and then the local funny. bartender. So, but he did, he did, he did the job. He, he gave her the list. And also, while he's talking to her, he gets a text from Teddy, but he deletes that right away and tells Lorna it was spam. Oh, what a tangled web you weave, Cisco. I know, man. Come on. This is you're not going down a good road when you're, no. you're being dishonest with your nope. with your lady. So um, especially when she's already wondering what's yeah. up, man. Yeah. Come, come on, Cisco. You smarter than that. Come right. on, man. Exactly. But uh Cisco goes to talk to Teddy at the, the bar, the patch bar where the road saints hang out. And he, he says, them, there's, there's no, I don't have no evidence that Kaz, the guy that he met when he got yep. out of prison in the first episode, he said, there's nothing that, that shows me he's a rat, but Teddy's convinced that if he got out three years for an eight year sentence at three years for an eight year sentence, he must be some kind of informant or, or something that he's snitching on something. And he thinks that Oh, he reminds, he reminds Cisco that Kaz was not alone in his crime that he was in prison for. And because he's kind of basically hinting that maybe yep. he's covering for, for Cisco, you know, and took the, took the prison sentence, took the fall. And so maybe Cisco's not really being honest, but uh, yeah, he tells him too. He's like, You're, I will, you'll, you'll come. I will, I will call for you whenever I want to basically. Because Cisco's like, you can't, you can't be calling me, you know, and texting me and having me come report to you at will. And basically Teddy's like, yes, I can. So not good, man. I don't like that at all. I think Chris Browning is doing a great job as Teddy. What do you think? Well, yeah. Yeah. Did you just want to punch him in the face? (laughs) Yep. Yep. He's so good at playing a bad guy. Um, Lots of folks will remember he played Preston Borders. A, a serial killer yeah. in the Bosch show from Michael Conley. And he's just 
he's just so good at playing bad and, and that mustache <laughs> the look yeah yeah the, he pulls um, he pulls it off really really well yeah the way he because it's not just a bad guy it's like all right you're a really good bad guy like you're legit yeah. like he well like he's like he's crossing all his t's and dotting his eyes at being a bad guy right. you know he's a very thorough bad guy um and, and um to me anyways very very intimidating so um because also because he puts that veil of um politeness yeah, over right, everything he right. says it's you that know? whole nonchalant i'm gonna kill you if you don't listen to me but here's what i have to yeah. say yeah uh-huh. yeah yeah that makes it even worse Next thing we see, Glory Days is getting out. So Maggie, the, the DA's office, you know, took the, the bigger information. So they let Glory go home. She grabs her stuff, gets a you know, ride share, goes into her house. And um, I, I don't know how they do this, the way they film. There's no dialogue, but yeah, I'm just nervous for her. <laughs> right, right. You know, yeah. we haven't seen anything that that says we should be nervous, but I guess anytime the camera is following someone through their you <laughs> right. know, through their house, right. um, it's yeah. just it's it's unnerving. So yeah, she has a glass of wine, takes a shower, comes back, here's the doorbell ring. Oh, food delivery. So she's like, okay, but you know, I'm just you know I'm not interested in opening the door. It's nighttime. Just leave it. So they leave it. She peeks through, sees the delivery guy walking off, and gets her food, looks around a little bit and comes back inside. And then boom, there's Russell Lawson. So this is actually one of my questions, Jay. I I probably need to rewatch this and I I may see what's going on better. Was he in the house or outside the house? No, he was outside the house. Okay, I thought so. Yeah, she was almost closed the door when uh, when it came through. Yeah, and then he slams it open and comes in after. So what do you think? He may be like hit in the shadows while the delivery one guy. of them darn bushes waiting for his opportunity mm-hmm. yeah Snake. yeah so i was right to be nervous he comes after her she grabs a beer bottle gets him on the head now she's got these jagged edges too of of the beer bottle and you know he's he's basically saying you're you know you're my problem i'm gonna end you you know because she's the one who can identify him he's like the the last thing yep. on his list of you know yep trying to get away with this she's in the way of that um but suddenly boom the door comes open again and sis comes in griggs comes bursting through the door and they arrest lawson and i'm glad it happened pretty quickly i didn't need to to agonize over her safety well i would have preferred if she got him with the broken bottle now that that would have been even better yeah but you know i'll take what i can get (laughs) yeah that would have been better and then we see cisco like kind of i guess kind of across the street and he's watching and so he makes a call to mickey and he's like a little confused he's like you know that wasn't hector moreno some other guy and you know he tells him that russell lawson was arrested you know there there was no sign of of hector moreno now i had a little confusion about this part what do you think the directive was to cisco was he giving him a heads up had, that yeah, it had to have been like you see any funny business going on in the house, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like be ready to jump in there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we, we don't get the, you know, the, the exact details, but that's kind of the way my mind was thinking too. But um, yeah, he had an and I wonder if Mickey had even mentioned Hector Moreno, because he obviously he didn't have any there's no reason he could not mention his name. And um, you know, Cisco knew that. 
Glory was given up the address, you know, so if information got back somehow to Hector Moreno, he could have come after her, you know, if he put it together that fast, but um, sure. I don't know. Sure. So, so yeah, he's on, he's on the outskirts there, keeping an eye out, but um, she is safe. And then we flash back to that conversation with legal Siegel at the beginning of the hypothetical conversation. And it, they go through his response, not just, well, he says, well, and then he goes through this whole series of things that would have to happen for the hypothetical lawyer to potentially even get out of the situation. And it's, you know, it's a whole list of things that have to go a certain way. He talks about bait. He talks about the bait being protected, um, talks about, you know, the having to maintain the confidentiality, making sure nothing blows back on him. And as you go, as he goes through the conversation we get glimpses of what happened in the episode and how mickey put all the pieces together based on what legal said i thought it was a great storytelling tool how about yes. you no agree i loved it i, I think the the whole thing um you, like, you, you call it storytelling tool i i think it's not just a tool it's almost like it drove it it drove yeah. that story through and it drove yeah. it so you knew exactly every piece you understood it felt right it felt good yeah. and then too because it it builds up kind of along the way you know you know the guy's caught you're good to go it worked it makes it that much better to me it's kind of like when you um watch a, an episode of something that's really complex and you're not sure you got every detail or understood each piece and you go and you read a good recap yeah. yep the, you know, going back to this conversation, flashing back was, was kind of like a recap because we saw that Mickey did things right. We saw that he didn't talk to anybody about Russell Lawson. We saw it all play out and we were happy and, you know, that he was successful and and got Russell arrested. But I think without going back to this flashback, it wouldn't have seemed I don't know, it just fills in the gaps, I guess. Yes, yeah, it's, it's more impactful. Yeah, it is more impactful. That's that's a good way to put it. It just it's like a little uh, tutorial or something about how exactly it went down, and and you get to revisit what he was thinking. And I think it makes it even more impressive because as you're watching yeah. it, you're like, is he getting lucky? You know, but the, but then you see how much thought was put into this and genius. And it, you know, it, it, everything did not have to fall in place, but, you know, thankfully it did. Now, I, um, we'll, we'll talk to him, uh, talk about seeing uh, Russell in prison in a minute. But at the beginning of this episode, when he's going through everything with legal and, you know, the hypothetical conversation, I mean, it sounds to me, it sounds really daunting. I mean, I was nervous for him at the end of episode one. And then when he's restating it, it's like, yeah, he's really as, you know, mm. legal calls it a, a pickle, um, more than a pickle. But, you know, he's really in this tough spot. And so I, you know, I was nervous for him. But then I have to tell myself, okay, Tracy, it's called the Lincoln lawyer. He's the Lincoln lawyer. You know, he's going to be okay. And things are going to have to work out because there's no way he's going to have this hanging over him for the rest of the series. Right. You know, something's right. going to be resolved. But I think, and I want to see if you agree. I feel like that's where the writing, the directing, the acting, they, they just, that that's what they do. They make you have that feeling. And I, I was just right. thinking about that a lot with the, 
you know, the strike now with the actors on strike, you know, we've had the writers on strike for like 74, 75 days. And now the actors are joining the strike. And I, I just, it, it just, I thought about it and I was like, you know, the whole AI thing we, yeah. we need, it's that human perspective. It's that I agree. Um, nuance that is able to take something that you can logically say, okay, Mickey's got plot armor or whatever you want to call it but you still feel nervous for him. Right. Yeah, I don't I, I I agree. I agree because you know, I think about it a lot when I read or hear a story about a TV show or a movie where maybe the person that played the character wasn't going to wasn't the first choice or it was going to be someone else or the mm-hmm. finale was going to done be done this way instead of this way and it gets you thinking about the fact that, you know, you mentioned writers, directors, actors, the whole thing put together it if it works like it does here, man, mm-hmm. it's just it's just that perfect package. And mm-hmm. it's weird to me to think like, what if it wasn't written that way or wasn't done that way? What yeah. if I didn't care knowing, okay, Mickey's Mickey's the star of the show. He's he's gonna always win and sure mm-hmm. he's gonna run into these hiccups, but I don't have to worry about this. Like it's a whole different show if you don't have to <laughs> Yeah, like, it's a whole different show. Crap, man, yeah. how's he gonna beat this? Because you know, the whole setup, you, you listen, we all know Mickey's going to find a way, but is he, is he just going to get lucky? Is he going to fall into an answer? Whatever. Like, can they concoct a real plan to get there? And just the whole thing. I I just love it. You know, and it, Yeah. It's the fact that we care about it because we can, we can say, he'll figure it out. We have faith in you, Mickey. You'll figure it out. But we care about it. We, you know, so. Speaking of writers and AI. Listen, hello, writers <laughs> out there. I, I'm with you guys. I think this whole thing is stupid. Obviously, I don't know anywhere near the same amount it is as everyone affected by it. But I don't want AI writing the I TV don't want, shows no. and the movies. I don't want it. Uh-uh. I, I want I want that human sitting there struggling to decide what happens next, right? Not don't just spit something out on a piece of paper and go with it. Like, gotta think about it and think about all the pieces and the impact of each piece and how do you keep a viewer enthralled and man i want my people doing it that's right and like Dang you said it. when it when it all comes together so well like this it, it truly is artistry and that's that's what we need is artistry not um artificial intelligence so but it's important stuff it's important stuff so uh, mickey makes a stop over at uh glory day's place to to check on her and of course he's glad to see she's safe and you know he couldn't say anything overtly to her but she admits i knew something was up you know she got the vibes and she's gonna head out to hawaii she thinks visit her mom maybe even give up her current business and and start something new so we'll have to wait and see on that but uh one of the best parts of the episode of course is when mickey goes over to the to lock up where Russell is and he's just, he's a psychopath, man. He is so mad. You tell us a little bit about that scene. What you, what you liked, what went down there? Oh man. I just love how angry he was. And I love the, it's not a smugness because it's a very calm, cool smugness to mention Mm -hmm. this and that. Just making the point that you played yourself, man. I didn't yeah, break this... any rules. I followed all your demands. And you're the idiot that ended up doing something stupid to to kill your whole entire plan. Yeah. And I just, I, it felt so good for me and I, I had nothing to do with it. But yeah. I felt so good. Yeah. 
And, and I, I love, I love that. I love that he walked in with like the statement, like, "Well, since I'm still your lawyer, I'm gonna give you <laughs> one piece, one more piece of advice." But then to be like, "Yep, now, now we're free and clear. You don't ever have to talk to me again. Goodbye." And I love the real threat that actually came from Mickey too. Yeah, and yeah, mm-hmm. I got clients in every jail, <laughs> loyal yeah. ones. Yeah, love it, love you think, it. You think you played me? You played yourself. <sighs> and uh yeah he did this to himself um so and i mean yeah mickey's a smart guy legal's a smart guy good advice but he, he talked about him being predictable and that i think that is how mickey was able to to plan it out and and at least try to put that plan in place you know it was dependent upon a lot of different variables but he what he what could he count on he could count on how russell would react to each you know, piece of information, how he would react to seeing Glory's name there, her release paperwork right next to that envelope, yep. you know, whoa. Sucker. yeah, uh, He's, uh, we know you, uh, you're going to go after. So, so yeah, that was, that was uh satisfying there at the end. Mickey is a, a fast talker. He's always got a quick response. Yep. He thinks fast. Yep. And for him to have to be quiet about so many things was an interesting dynamic in the episode. That's a good point. Yeah. For him to have to, yeah. you know, halt himself and stop himself from talking and 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 be secret. Like he doesn't mind being secretive, you know, against the prosecution and all that. But as far as their team, you're right. They're always very open. I mean, his driver is even helping right. with cases now, right. Right. you know. Right. And um, so so yeah, it's a, it's a, it it did make for an interesting interesting dynamic. All right. Anything else? Do you like the girlfriend? No. Okay. Good. I, I do you? No. No. I she. Uh, yeah. I know we'll talk about it more as we go through the episodes, but she just like we talked about last episode. We we figured she probably what's the word zoned in on him. What's the word? Um, targeted him. Yeah. Like we, she said, her hostess knew his name, knew who he was, that he was on the list. But it was probably her. And even if her hostess told her. It still feels like she's being opportunist. Yeah, I don't like it. Uh, no, she yeah, she didn't have the the restraining order yet. You know that was the next day, but I I just kind of feel like she's the type of person who maybe is opportunistic and wants to have someone like that in in her corner. Or you know, like girl. she's very little in this episode, right? But like she's needy for something. Like yeah. Can you can you find some time to not be needy and yeah. act kind of like a potential suitor? I I don't know. Right. I mean, yeah, they can't. They kind of have to stay on a professional basis now. But it the 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 conversation does shift very quickly into me. I have questions. Yeah. I need yeah, your I expertise. Like okay. So, uh, right. yeah. And and you know what? That's a that's a good point. She hasn't really asked him how his day's going. Right, that's what I'm saying, yeah. man. She's, uh-huh. you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Listen, Tracy, if I'm going to ask to borrow $20 from you, right, <laughs> I'm not going to call you and ask you for $20. I'm be like, hey, how's my baby, <laughs> Tracy? How's your day today? How's the kids? Like, I'm going to warm you up to it, you know, mm-hmm. pretend like I give a darn about you at least <laughs> a little. I don't know. Just drive me crazy. No, you're right. I, I Yeah, she she's not showing much interest in in him and his well-being it seems very much focused on her i'm glad we agree can i get twenty dollars 
<laughs> about that $20. Well, now, interesting you bring that $20 up because, you know, oh, yes. I mean, if we wanted to, we could make a little wager on this game. No, man, but... <laughs> I, I'm so bad at your games. Golly, I'm so bad at them. Okay. I, I try I, so hard to be good and I'm just not. I could have done this game at the beginning before we went through the episode. But yes. I'm trying to help you by going through the episode first because you will reference the episode, our com- oh. you reference our conversation oh. in the game. So, you know, giving you, I'm, I'm trying to give you a leg up, so oh, to good. speak. So okay. I'm going, you know, five for five, 10 for 10, whatever you got. Okay, that's <laughs> good. I like it. All right. I have four pairings of quotes. Oh, oh so God. Two quotes, oh, then yeah. two more quotes. Two more quotes, two more quotes, four pairings of quotes. Yes. So I'm going to um, give you the quote. Yes. And then you need to tell me which one came first in the episode. Oh, fudge sticks. <laughs> but if you know, if you know, the... <laughs> God dang it, man. <laughs> so for those of you listening, we're, we're hiring a new podcast host uh, <laughs> starting next episode. Call me. Jay's uh, taking <laughs> applications. <laughs> Ali, <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, if you think if you if you're aware of the context of the quote, I think you'll you'll do okay. So you can get okay, you can get up to twelve points. Here's how you can get, and if you get nine, that's seventy five percent, right? Yes, <laughs> that's, that's only a C. Okay. <laughs> um. So let's just let's just target nine. But so there's four okay. pairings. If you get the yeah. order correct, that's a point for each. So that's four points. Okay. And then because we have eight quotes, if you can also tell me who said the quote, oh, you get a point God. for each of those. So Why that's are you eight. trying to make my life miserable. I'm trying to give you more ways to get points. All right. <laughs> can't, can't we just do one of one and I either fail or succeed? Okay. All right. Let's I'm just ready. kick it off. Okay. Yeah. Quote A. Yes. That's important today. That's one quote. The second quote. I am obsessed with this true crime podcast. So you can either try to tell me who said them first or give me the, or which one came first. Okay. Uh, the order. <clears throat> I know Izzy's the second one. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's a point. And that was, it was pretty early in on the episode, mm-hmm. but I don't remember where that's important today was stuck into everything. Shoot. Nor today. do I know who said it. Uh, so I'm going to go with Izzy's quote was first. Okay. That's one point. And you know, it's Izzy. So that's two points. Okay. And so you, you missed the point on Mickey. It's when he puts the envelope down in the office. Oh, and, and, yes, it is. Yeah. God dang it. Yes, it is. Ah. But hey, two out of three. That's good. That's good. No, it's uh, not. A 67% is a D, Tracy. <laughs> All right. You can catch up here. The next two quotes. Yes. So the first one. Yeah. Something seriously loco is going on here. The second quote. Yes. You set me up. The loco one came first. Okay, there's a and point. And I think that was Lorna. It was. There's another point. And then uh, you set me up was Russell. There you go. The yes. You have five points. You're getting there, man. Oh, my God. It's the first time I've ever gotten five points in any of your games. <laughs> All right. The next pairing. Yes. yes. First quote. What are you hiding from me, Holler? Second quote. Sometimes a girl needs a fresh start, you know? 
Uh, was Griggs the first one? Yes. And then uh, Maggie was the second one? Who's the second one? No. Who's the second one? The second Who's one was one? Glory Days. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not going to say anything more about that because you haven't told me the order yet. Yeah, I'm going to go with, um, I'm pretty sure the first one's first, right? Really? Yeah, because Glory oh, Days. Oh, yeah, because she said it when she was first being. When she first talked first to Mickey. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. She kind of alludes yeah. to that idea at the end when she said yeah, she was going to go see her mom. Damn it. That's when I was thinking she said yeah. it, too. Okay. See, God. So you've got six crazy. points. You've got six points. Three more points and you and you pass. And you have a chance. You have three more chances. Uh, three more points that you can get. All right. Last pairing. First quote. Oh, and I will get a report whenever I deem it necessary. Second quote. Things with her are complicated. First one was Teddy. There's a point. Things with her are complicated. This is probably the hardest one. No pressure. Is um sugar smacks. Shoot. Things with her are complicated. Wow, man, this should be way easier than it is. <clears throat> Did Mickey say that? Who said that? I don't know who said that. Don't don't answer that because that will oh. maybe skew my other answer. Okay, well tell me the order. Um, I'm gonna go with man, that Teddy conversation was like right smack in the middle of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> rap so it's like 50 50 since i'm not sure who said it i'm gonna go with teddy came first uh, sorry man damn it the second one was things with her are complicated that was lisa and she's talking about her family and her parents divorcing whatever uh, and um however old she was and she her mom got a new family yes. remarried so, God dang it. And that was before the Teddy conversation. So you got seven out of 12, but that's greater than 50%. Good job, Jack. No, no, there's no good job here. <laughs> God dang it. <sighs> I really did try to be fair, but it's just, it's a lot to remember, you know, especially the order. Listen, but. I'm just, I'm telling you now, it might not be next episode. <laughs> Not be the episode of that, but one of these, I'm going to get a game created for you, and I'm not going to be nice about it. Your goal will be to get two out of 20. Ooh, that's a tough one. Okay. Yes. You're yeah. setting the bar high. It's All right. Payback. <laughs> payback. Yes. We do have a little bit of feedback from the, the episode. One uh, person, Seth, on Facebook was uh, sent some information about, I guess, how retainers work and what makes them official. He was not convinced that Russell calling in, you know, making a payment with Izzy or Izzy just telling Mickey about the payment, that that was official. And he, he there was some, he, he, he had something linked um, there on Facebook that like indicated that if it's not official, um, like contract or whatever, that if the work is not performed, you can you know, refund them. So, you know, it's, it's legal stuff. I don't know. Um, it, and it's TV yeah. and Ted, Ted has already, I, I do appreciate the feedback from Seth because I like learning what the rules are and how things work. But I do know from Ted talking to us last season that sometimes things you may not go exactly as they are in real life, you know, there, there's something to television, you know, the, I can't think of the yeah. word, but 
Yeah, I mean, um, they get to, they have some freedom to take some liberties. Liberties, there you go. To make things yeah. work yeah. within the story. Yeah. That too, like, same thing. I mean, you can't show every client filling out paperwork every single time. Like, who wants to see that? Mm -hmm. I think I think we have to assume lawyer, client, there was paperwork done, something signed off, a contract of sorts, something. I, I mean, I don't Except, know. Yeah, you're right. We're not privy to everything that went on with that transaction. So that's a good point. But um, I, I, I appreciate that, Seth, for getting us to think about that. And yeah. It's always good to learn how things yep. work. So uh, we got an email from Mike Martini, our Bosch trivia guy friend. He also does some Lincoln Lawyer trivia sometimes. So Never heard of him. <laughs> and he's helped hey, us Mark, out on the podcast. Up, we, we, Mike is, is very good to us. Um, he says, absolutely love how Mickey handled the situation with Russell Lawson and seeing Legal Siegel back for the episode was an awesome treat. Legal still has a sharp mind, just like in the books. Great line about how Mickey's dad wouldn't have been in a situation like that. This line was a good one, too. When Legal says, the more you live in someone's shadow, kid, the longer it takes to cast your own. He says, the way things get tied up from the carryover from season one went very well for Mickey. But could any of that come back to haunt him later this season or in a future season? He says, the camera work in... Uh, season two has been outstanding so far. The way LA comes to life as a character in the show, just like it does in Bosch. When Mickey is driving over the bridge towards the end of the episode and was celebrating that Jesus Menendez was going to be out of legal trouble officially, I just knew it was going to crash down to earth for Mickey. Then, right on cue, he gets the phone call from Lisa Trammell and she's been arrested for murder. Love the scenes with the Lincoln convertible. Didn't think I would like the car when first seeing the pics for season one, but fell in love with it immediately last year. And he says a nice compliment about the podcast. Uh, thank you, Mike. We appreciate that. And thanks everybody for listening and, and hanging out with us. That is a good question he has. Could any of this come back to haunt him? It yeah, sounds like he followed valid. the rules and stuff, but um, that is that is a, a good thing to keep in the back of your mind. And I'm sorry, we forgot to go back to the celebratory part with Jesus Menendez and his fiance, yeah. where Mickey gets to tell him that not only has it, you know, he's not being charged, he can never be charged again uh, for it because of whatever the it was called. So he, you know, he doesn't have to worry about this keep coming back to haunt him, even though he didn't do anything. That's weird, something haunting you when you didn't even do it, you know, but right. that's, that's what he's right. been through. Um, so it will not come back around again. They have got their guy. So great episode. I think it might even be my favorite of part one i don't know we'll see yeah it was a good episode i mean i, I like that scene with russell in the prison so much i even thought to myself you know if this season was only two episodes long mm -hmm. i'm happy with the way this one ended yeah yeah no yeah <laughs> it's, it has been it's been very satisfying these yeah. first two episodes so well done all right well i think that's it for us Stay tuned. Keep listening because we have writer Gladys Rodriguez on in just a second to talk more about episode two and uh, specifically specific to the writing and in her involvement with the episode. So enjoy that. And we will be back next time to talk about episode three. See ya. Yeah.
Hi. Hi, so how nice, are you? I'm good. So nice to see you. You too. I, I'm Tracy from SoManyShows.com, and we, we cover a variety of shows, but the Michael Conley universe is a really big part of what we cover and enjoy. So yeah, we love Lincoln Lawyer. Definitely loved episode two and want to get into some Q&A on that. But I'm curious, what brought you to the Lincoln Lawyer show? Like, I don't, you know, as, you know, as viewers, we don't really understand the process of how you move from show to show. Do you try to get on a certain show or what, how does that work? Well, it's funny because I came on first season, but it was after I'm one of the few writers or a couple of writers left from first season. Mm -hmm. And it was after it had been canceled already at CBS okay, and bought by Netflix. And I had been working for another show, a Netflix show. And I'm not really sure how Ted got my name. Actually, Ted is our showrunner, you know, yeah. but you know, he probably got it either from Netflix or from, you know, I have no idea, okay. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so my, my, my manager sent me the meeting and I got really excited because I, while I hadn't been a big reader of Michael Connelly's books, mm -hmm. I obviously gosh, and I knew, you know, the Lincoln lawyer, uh, I, I knew of all the books and I was really excited mm -hmm. and I had read the first two, which, you know, uh, Ted was like, okay, to repair, um, read. He didn't ask me to read the whole books, but I did anyway. Uh -huh. uh, and I was like, this is such a cool world. It's, you know, it is like a love letter to Los Angeles and um, mm -hmm. I'm a California native. And I felt like he captured every nuance of Los Angeles and it really was a special world that he created. Mm -hmm. um, and I was really excited because the TV show had dealt with, uh, I mean, it was creating the character of Mickey Holler as this Mexican-American right. you know, lawyer. And mm -hmm. for me, I'm Mexican-American. So I was really excited about that. Okay. Um, it's really special. And so that's kind of how I came into the, the world and I got the job and the rest is history. I'm now writing on second or finished second season and hopefully we'll get third. So fingers crossed. It's, it's such a great show to be on. And, you know, I've, I've had, I've been on many shows, but this one is really special to me because everyone awesome. is so awesome. Did yeah. uh, did I see your name come up in your, as an executive producer as well? I'm a co-executive producer. Okay, co -executive. okay. So, okay, very uh, cool. Yeah, so it's it's uh my second year uh, as co-executive producer. Okay. It's awesome. This show has been really fun. So <laughs> what opportunities have you had? I know I know I've seen you on social media write some about this and forward some articles and things about doing a you know trying to do a great job of representing the Latino culture and bringing more into that. Have you had any stories or specific opportunities about things you've maybe suggested or encouraged with that yeah so first season you know we got the mandate from Netflix that we want to infuse Mickey's heritage and mm -hmm. we were like trying to figure out like we want to do it differently than other shows have in the past because we wanted to feel you know not heavy-handed and we wanted mm -hmm. to feel natural and organic and so I suggested Mickey speak by to his daughter in Spanish you know okay yeah. And so the bilingual thing came for me because I, when I talk to my parents, I usually speak both, you know, Spanish mm -hmm. and English. Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's just such a natural, organic thing that you do at home. And, you know, when we're home with Mickey, you can sense that, that naturalness yeah. of the language. And so that was something I contributed. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, as far as like the food, I, w I wish I could contribute to the, the food <laughs> portion of the show, but that was all, I think that was all Michael and Ted. They, okay. uh, the tacos and stuff, but yeah, 
So um, as far in season two, you'll see his mother is going to make an appearance. And, you know, that's Mickey. The first season said there's only four people that he loves in this world. And obviously one of them is going to be his mother. Mm -hmm. And so it was really important to me and to Daylin Rodriguez, who's our co-show runner, that we bring in someone that is really iconic and Mexican. And so we cast Angelica Maria, who is going to play Mickey's mother. Um, so I had pitched her early on. I mean, we had been talking about who should play Mickey's mom uh -huh. for a while. And, you know, we had a list of names that Daylin, uh, that we were giving to Daylin and to Ted. And um, she was like on top of my list because I feel like, you know, she was a huge Mexican soap opera actress and really, you know, iconic. She's known as the, the, the La Novia de Mexico, which means the girlfriend of Mexico. Oh, nice. And, <laughs> yeah. And we just had her on the top of our list. She felt perfect for it and, you know, never thought she would want to do the show. And I guess they reached out to her and she read for it and she was, she was perfect. And so... We hired her and uh, I could tell you like she really, really is amazing on the show. It's going to yeah. be real fun. Her, awesome. Her and Mickey's relationship is just very fun, but also complicated. And, you know, okay. you'll you'll see more on the second half. But, sure, sure. Uh, okay. Up, yeah, she's a big deal in our community. And I'll tell you a short, quick story. When I was on set, I was really excited to meet her. Mm -hmm. Obviously, because my mom and everybody in my family loved her growing up. And I was a little nervous. I never really get nervous with people. I've been in this industry for 20 years and I'm like, okay, you're an actor, whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to get a little, you know, stage, not stage fright, but you know, like it's hard for me to get nervous around people now. But when I met her, I, my breath was taken away and I was like, oh my God, there she is. And she was so sweet. I introduced myself and she was so amazing, so kind. And I told her what, she meant to like me and, and my family and stuff. Mm -hmm. He insisted on calling my mother and leaving a voicemail for oh, her wow. and saying, you know, that I was a very talented writer and she's so proud of me and all this. Stuff. I was so amazing. And my mom, like that made her day. Sure. That's was, so cool. It was, it was so cool of her to do that. And it was just like, ah, like, this is why I love this show is because yeah. you know, I get to have people like this. Mm -hmm. We get to have people like this on the show that, you know, wouldn't necessarily happen on another show. So it's, it was pretty cool. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I've, I've been really looking forward to, to to seeing her role. I was a little bummed that we didn't get to see her yet in the first half, but that, that yeah. I, I know she's coming. So we've got the second half, so we know, know she's coming. So that's awesome. Yeah. I, I was curious, how, and this is kind of a twofold question. I wanted to mm -hmm. see how much collaboration as the writer you had with the director. And also, were you on set during filming very mm -hmm. often? So kind of how did that go together? Yeah, so I covered, we shoot uh, our show in what's called blocks. So yes. first and second episode are shot in one block, then you okay. know, so on and so forth. So I was, I covered the first block. So um, the first and second episode, I was on set every single day with okay. our director, um, Rob Seidenglanz, who's a really great guy, a really great director. And yeah, I mean, my job there is to make sure that our intentions um, are met and that everyone is on the same page. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I was on the set and, you know, 
this is kind of why it's really important for writers to be on set. I hadn't been on set for a long time because of these mini rooms that were happening. But Lincoln Lawyer, I was back on set and I was a little rusty. But mm-hmm. right when I like a couple days in, it just like it was like riding a bike. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, that's okay. What I- so it was really fun. And I feel like it's, it's my favorite part of the whole process is being mm-hmm. on set because it feels real, like your words are coming to life and get to talk to the cast and make sure they... <clears throat> the director is conveying everything that you you wanted them to okay. to the cast. It was a really really awesome time. It was a long time. I mean, two, covering two blocks is you know a long time. Although Matthew, one of the other writers uh, uh, on one of our other co-EPs, was on set for much longer, <laughs> so he'll be okay. like a month. A month is not uh, a long time, but it was, <laughs> it's all it relative. Was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's you know really important for for the show for the writers to be on set and. I'm really grateful that I got to be on set for this, especially meeting. I had written uh, episode six of season one and I hadn't met the cast really, you know? And so it was was real because I first COVID was on, you know, we weren't allowed because of COVID protocols. They only allowed like certain people. And then season one was structured differently. So writers didn't go to set. Okay. But two, it worked out where you know, we were allowed, some of us were allowed to go to production and, and it was awesome. It was really a great experience. Okay. Yeah. Dalen was talking a little bit um, when I spoke to her a couple of weeks ago with Ted that sometimes the way things are structured now, and maybe one, maybe one of the issues is that writers don't stay long enough to be able to be on set. And that seems like such an important process for the, you know, yeah. just to, for them to go through the whole process and be there when it's coming to life. I, I, that seems so important to me. It's, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's, it's hard for me to wrap my head around, you know, a good reason <laughs> not to do that. So I'm yeah, glad that yeah. that's the way it is for you. Yeah. I think it's the studios are trying to save money, but sure. in the run, it's just like, it ends up being more work for the showrunner and mm-hmm. also for, you know, everybody there. It's not as seamless. And I felt like season two went so much smoother. Okay. We're allowed on set. Um, okay yeah so it was really awesome that's great now Mm -hmm. location wise do you do you all specify specific locations that you want to be used in the script and does that usually work out or yeah Uh, not usually oh not usually okay (laughs) because of different you know logistic things sure but I had a very specific request this year I came in and I said you know I I showed a video to Daylin and Ted. I walked in and I said, we have to shoot the Sixth Street Bridge. The Sixth Street Bridge is an iconic LA landmark that just reopened. And, you know, it's so beautiful. And it's so our show because Nikki is also like an iconic LA figure. And I said, this is such a a beautiful, like, bridge that we need to get it somehow in the show. Mm -hmm. And I they were like, we're going to see if we can make it work. And they talked to our locations manager and our producers. And miraculously, it was the, the last shot of my episode. So that okay. was one special request that I made. I said, we have to have the Sixth Street Bridge. I don't even care if it's not in my episode. It's right. just, we have to have it somehow. Yeah. And really fun to go out and shoot that scene. It was to me, I feel like, you know, some people don't like shooting um, driving scenes because you have to get in the follow van and you have to, it's a lot of waiting of getting the cameras strapped to the cars. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's so fun because it feels very like this is filmmaking, you know, and, yeah. and we're behind 
we we had the director, myself, and our some of the other uh, crew in the in the follow van, which is following the Lincoln as he as Mickey goes across the the bridge, and it was just so fun, just to like every, like traffic is kind of stopped, and you know everyone's kind of just waiting for for the Lincoln to 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 go, and it was it was really fun to see that scene play out because I had in my head right when it was like the only thing I really cared about in my okay like this I mean. <laughs> say that kind of jokingly right but I I did I I'm so glad that I but other other than the other other than that the locations are really up to what we can get okay. <laughs> and like what we can what's in our budget so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know sometimes you know we we picture something and like I I had pictured a completely different apartment for well there's two apartments that I totally pictured completely different it was mm-hmm. the Menendez apartment okay and I had I, in my head, I was like, he lived in a house in like Boyle Heights, but it was like, it ended up being an apartment in mm-hmm. like East LA, which is fine. It ended up working. And then our, I forget her name, sorry, <laughs> our prostitute's name that. Oh, Glory Days. Yeah. Glory Days. Her, her place. Okay. Her, her place was completely different than I pictured, but it was a okay. great location. So uh-huh. it was like, it works out even better, you know? Yeah. So, so it was very, uh, it's, it's exciting to, to see all the locations come to life, but yeah, yeah. sometimes you say, and sometimes you don't, you can pitch things, but yeah. Well, the viewers, out. the viewers love seeing all, all the spots and learning about LA this, and that shot on the bridge was really cool. One of my friends, Mike Martini, also a big fan of the show commented that he really enjoyed that scene, you know, but he really, he felt that the bomb was going to drop, you know, and, but I got, I was so immersed. I was so immersed and so relieved when Mickey's driving through and things worked out, you know, it, you got me. So yeah. it's funny how people <laughs> kind of watch differently. Cause I was just so immersed in that really beautiful, relaxing, just driving <laughs> in the convertible. Yeah. So yeah, it, it was very effective. That's very awesome. effective. I had a couple of specific questions, and I'm going to talk about the format of the episode. Tell us a little bit about the line where Mickey is talking to Legal Siegel, and he asks, you know, what his dad would have done, and he says his dad would not have been in that situation. Is that a more of a remark about his dad's skill, or is there something more to that? Well, his dad only, he defended his clients, but he wasn't as risk-taking as Mickey is. And Mickey is always a risk taker. And I don't think mm-hmm. his father, I mean, his father definitely played, he, he played by the rules, even though he mm-hmm. pushed a lot, you yeah. know, and that's what, that's what legal helped him do yeah. with all the strategizing and, and they, but I feel like Mickey's even trying to outdo his father in a okay. sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's where that line came from, where your father, you are so messy, Mickey, you know, okay. um, got it. He would never have met, he would never have been in this type of mess because you're just surround yourself with messier people, okay. you know? Do you think so, part of that's Mickey's passion for what he does that he, he kind of ends up in those situations oh, absolutely. or is it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think it's passion. I think it's just Mickey's kind of fearless in a sense and he's yeah. trying to always outdo himself uh-huh. and outdo his father, you know, okay. it's like, yeah. Um, living in his dad's shadow, but also trying to outdo his dad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so it's some of that too. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I'm curious a little bit about the scene at Glory Day's house where she, Russell Lawson comes in after her. How, when you're writing, how long, like, how do you decide how long you want that scene to go before she gets rescued? Like what kind of so, thought goes into that? We knew that she didn't, we, we wanted it to be long enough for 
Russell to attempt to do something, Mm -hmm. but it was all part of the plan that there, you know, people there that he had, he had backup there, you know, and he wanted to give it enough time, but he obviously wanted to catch him in the act. Okay. So when shooting, we just, it was like, I don't know, maybe like less than a minute, 30 seconds or something less that he, it was very quick. You know what I'm saying is that it didn't go very long because of, you know, we only had a certain amount of time, but we knew that he wanted, we wanted it to, he, we wanted to catch him red-handed, you know, and and it was, he had to actually have attempted that, uh, attempted to break in and to somewhat attack her, but Mm -hmm. he didn't get to, and she was kind of in on it too, obviously, you know, Yeah. you know, yeah. he suspected something was up. Right. And of course, you don't want something like that to happen at all, you know, obviously. But I like that she had enough time to to fight back, you know, with her words too. Like that, just that strength and that fight in her. I, I'm I'm glad we got to see that too. Like she was not going to be a victim, you know. No, so. and I think that was very satisfying. Yeah. You know, for for her to finally like say, I'm not going to fucking take this anymore. Right. Yeah. You know, so I'm pushing back. You yeah. know, and not going to be victimized by you. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So about the format, the storytelling was just, it was amazing. The way you you guys formatted it with not knowing exactly what was going on, but then having the dialogue, you know, the, the flashback to what legal did say, and then kind of putting it together more specifically. It's almost like when I I talked on the podcast last night about, it was almost like you watch the show, you're you're putting it all together, but then you go and you read a good recap and it really all kind of comes together. And it's kind of like that last part where we hear what legal was telling him, you just filled in a couple of things. And it was just a great recap of how cool it was that everything worked out and and what he did. So, I I mean, I guess you'd call that a, a flash back forward I don't know yeah I know I was like I don't know what you call that but how did you decide on that that format that storytelling tool yeah I don't remember exactly who pitched it maybe it was Matthew or Daylin but we always I call this up this episode the Ocean's Eleven episode because it has that kind of like structure yeah Uh, but we knew we wanted to tell it you know, in a, in a very different way where, you know, it it was in a non-linear way and it just kind of fell into place. And it was honestly kind of tricky to write. (laughs) At first I was like, okay, how how am I this? And like, what are we going to, and I I had to go a couple, I had to go back a couple of times and like the revisions where I'm like, okay, this is, we have to tell this part, you Mm -hmm. know, and tell a little bit more when we're going back at the end, when we're, we're, you know, showing how he really made the plan work. It's like, wh- what do we see? And it's you just fill like, in a little more. Yeah. Yeah. You fill in a little more. And it was, it was, it was tricky to write. Yeah. It was fun. I feel like it was so much fun to be challenged in that way. And, and I feel like everybody, it, it everybody kind of understood at the end. And I feel yes. like enough. it was yes. one of those where I didn't know if it was going to work. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, it sounds like, it sounds cool. Let me write it, you know? <laughs> and then I, I, we did. And I, I felt like, everyone loved it. You know, it was such a, an interesting nonlinear way to tell the story and, yeah. and it didn't feel like, I, I think everyone understood mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. it, um, so it was really fun. It was, it was yeah. really Okay. So it was yeah. a fun challenge. I mean, I think that's why I'm just so impressed because it was so effective, but I, I yeah. can imagine that. I mean, I, I can't even begin to think about writing that and, and, and putting it together. So it, it seemed like this, I bet this was a tough one, you know, and it just worked so like, well. Yeah. I haven't, re- I haven't had a lot of shows that I've written like non-linearly, like uh-huh. our story. So it was a real big challenge for me, but I feel like 
we, the, we, we, when we break things in the room, when we come up with the story, it's very detailed. And so if we ever have trouble with a scene or if we don't understand, that's what the room is there for. And okay. I, I mean, there was times in breaking this episode where I, I had to go back and bring the story back into the room because I was like, I don't understand this part. Like, can someone explain what we meant by, cause you forget sometimes, even though, yeah. you know, the notes sure. and the room is great for that because you, you bring it back and then they they'll pitch something else you know and they'll be like and it's it makes things even better and so yeah or they'll clarify something and and that's why it's such a, a you know collaborative effort but yeah it was a fun challenge I loved I loved writing this episode <laughs> how do you manage with the the legal aspect I mean do you have some, any background in that kind of writing I mean I know Ted was a, an attorney but it, like who brings all that legal knowledge in well, we use the book a lot, but we do have some consultants. We have okay. our lovely consultant, Rachel Bowers, and okay. he's saying we'll get her on, you know, the speaker phone and she will, we'll, if we have any, Ted is also very, you know, helpful in that way because mm-hmm. he was a lawyer. We do have another lawyer in the room, Lisa, okay. but I'm not, I have no legal background. This is my first show, although I watched, you know, legal shows in the past. This is my first writing it first time writing on one. And yeah, I feel like for me, I, I luckily I haven't gotten, not luckily, but I, I <laughs> haven't gotten court episodes, but uh, it's, it's hard for me to answer that question because I, I, I don't get the trial episodes. I haven't gotten one yet. So it's going to uh-huh. be even harder when I do get the trial episodes, but uh-huh. you know, I feel like I, I rely on our consultant, Rachel on Ted and on the book. And also I do my own research, something, you know, I need, yeah. I need to come up. With, so, but yeah. Those are my, that's my, my answer. <laughs> well, I, I shared in my review for, for part one, that one thing that I you know really thought was strong about the show and, and, and part one as well, all together that you guys do such a great job of educating the viewer without like feeling like you're being taught something, you know, you don't really realize you're being taught something, but you you are, I mean, of course there, there are people who watch it, who are well-versed in all of sure. this. I, I am not one of them. And I, I imagine a, a good portion of the viewers, you know, don't have that type of knowledge. So it, I don't, I don't know specifically how you do it or what you call it, but it's just, it's clever, you know, that you're, you, you come out feeling like, Hey, I learned something there, but you don't feel like you were in a class, you know, you're really enjoying watching a show. So. Yeah. I think, you know, that, that I, I have to give it up to Ted for that because it's really important that to him, that everything is, you know, entertaining, but yeah. That- you know, it's accurate, you know, as yeah. accurate as it can be. While, you know, we don't want to, it's not, you know, legal show 101. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I think, I think we've done a really good job at like, p- making people aware of like, what, what the jury process is, you know, and mm-hmm. what discovery is, you know, mm-hmm. and things like, that. like, I had no idea what discovery really meant until I worked on this show or, mm-hmm the jury process went um, and it was it, and Michael does a really good job of it in the books too and yeah. so you know we take we take from our from our book you know it's like yeah. it's it he makes it feel so natural and easy yeah. to just explain what it is so yeah yeah well translating that to screen can be even harder because he has the benefit of the written word you know so you, you guys uh, give yourself props you've done a really <laughs> good job of, of of showing that you know as well now Manuel is a tennis player right? Is, is, is yeah. He does play tennis. Did that have anything to do with choosing that venue, you know, and, and that? Yeah. Like... So I don't know, if, this is hilarious, but last year 
I had pitched the tennis episode for my for episode six. Uh-huh. I had pitched the tennis scene of of him playing because I saw his Instagram and he had posted. Yeah, uh-huh. he, he was po- he had posted him playing tennis earlier. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Earlier in the day, and and I brought it to the room. I said, "Did you guys know that uh, Manuel plays tennis?" And then our writer's assistant's like, "Yeah, like he's really good." And he ended up playing with him, or like. I'm not sure how Ryan, a writer's assistant back in season one, who is now our, our one of the writers on the show. I don't know how he ended up playing with him, but he, we, it's funny how how story ideas come. And it's like for me, I, I saw I saw that post on Instagram and I was like, we we have to get him on the show. Playing. Yeah. yeah. Same thing with him on a horse. I think I saw it in mm-hmm. season. And then, you know, we had the whole yeah. line. So, yeah, that's kind of how that came about there you go you have to be careful what he puts on his instagram he might not want to share all his talents <laughs> but no, those are both really really cool I, I i like that's a good story so well thank you so much for your time i i hope you know how impressive that the episode is and and everyone i've just heard so many great things about people just the, the jaw dropping and just seeing it all come to you so, so satisfying very satisfying episode so well done Thank you. And it's, you know, it's really great. We do it for the fans because, you know, we don't want to disappoint the Connolly verse, you know, and (laughs) so far I've heard things and and it's really gratifying to hear. So thank you. All right. You're doing a great job. We love it. Well, thank you again. And um, you take care. All right. Thanks, Tracy. Bye. Bye, Gladys. Bye.